1: last week. Welcome to Freightonomic. (laughs) I am Zach Strickland, Head of Freight Market Intelligence at Freightways with me in studio this week. Thanks for showing up, Anthony Smith, Chief Economist. Uh, The show slash podcast, depending on how you are consuming this information, where we combine the freight market data with the global macroeconomic information uh, to make sense of this crazy wild world win. That's right. So Zach, happy to be back, two and zero against COVID.
0: So, um, who would have thought it would have been back here in twenty twenty three? But here we are. So happy to be here in studio, even though I was right across the street. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. And of course, I'm going to be looking down from time to time because if you want to join the show, you want to have a comment for myself, for Zach, you're seeing something in the trends that maybe we're not seeing, or you want to agree, disagree, whatever it might be. Jump in on the comments on LinkedIn. We are streaming live now at twelve Eastern Standard Time. So want to be a part of the show. Here's an opportunity. I'm even going to pull up YouTube cuz I think we're streaming there as well. That's a
1: lot of stuff, man. Really? Uh he had a great internet signal last week too. So the thing I want to, you know, the theme of today's show is going to be about how we're seeing some positive signs uh mainly in the freight market uh situation. We've been talking about this for the last, I don't know, month, month and a half ish, maybe uh where we thought we'd hit an inflection point, you know, we got to use our buzzwords. Um and, and the market, but this may not be kind of the end game. This may not, this may not be like the end result of like, okay, we're not going to hit a recession. Okay. The carriers and transportation providers can now get their rates back up to where they want them to get Uh carrier exits. Aren't going to continue to happen, et cetera. Like we're not, we're not quite out of the woods yet. This may actually be a sign that, you know, leads to things that may not help uh, you know, our transportation market in the long run, uh, get back to where it really wants to be.
0: Yeah. And I think it was a great point made yesterday of how everything is just out of sync, you know, Mm. looking at some aspects of the macroeconomy that are just struggling while other sides are really doing well. Like we've seen services really do well. Um, we brought up the article, um, I think that was a collaboration with Uber Freight last week as well. Talking about manufacturing, not all segments are going to do good, but automotive has been doing decently. And then after that, what is going to be some of the headwinds? Of course, big ticket purchases are going to come under some pressure because interest rates keep going up. But yep. the consumer hasn't really pulled off to shed. So there are just so many different segments of the economy that are struggling, some that are doing well. And really, all of it
1: is on unstable ground. Yeah, unstable at best ground. And I don't think that's changed at all. Uh, so let's go ahead and set the table with some data here, Anthony, if you want to count me in so we can give the people a market into. That's right. In three, two, one, go. All right. Let's lead the way with the uh, the headliner here. OTVI outbound tender volumes, measures the total number of tenders uh, going from shipper to carrier. And it is ticking higher. Now, a lot of this demand has been trendlining. Outside of season, as we've talked about in the previous weeks, it continues to do so. Now we're at Labor Day, the week before Labor Day weekend. This isn't necessarily as out of season as we would have expected because a lot of this higher volume that we're seeing here over the last week has actually been originating from the rejected tender situation. However, we, we did just release some new data this week that helps us maybe think this isn't the whole story. Let's go ahead and go to the next chart. This is the carrier exits so how many authorities are coming out of fmcsa uh data uh anything in red there indicates that is an authority that has left we have subtracted from the total number of carrier authorities anything in green means we're adding authorities so it doesn't necessarily count tractors however this is simply just a carrier measure here but the trend line shows you that capacity is leaving the market whether that be in the form of some form of consolidation, or if they're simply just parking their truck and exiting the market. And a lot of this, of course, biases towards these smaller fleets in general. Let's go to the next chart. I was talking about tender rejection rates. Here they are right here. Tender rejection rates starting to percolate here as we approach the holiday uh, period, as we would normally expect. A large portion of this uptick in rejection rates this week has been on the refrigerated side. So reefer Uh, Most importantly, out of the northern tier of the country, this is a very seasonal component uh, that happens almost every time of year. Northwest, Midwest. Let's look at the next chart here to kind of break this out even further, uh, which is going to be the regional O-try from the Midwest and the Northwest. The harvest seasons are in play. A lot of people don't know it, but a lot of berries come out of the Northwest in August. So, but also the green harvest. Back at it, Zach. And I mean, so
0: we're seeing some interesting signs here. And of course, Uh, One of the calls uh, that you kind of made not too long ago, maybe it was a few months ago. I don't know what time it is anymore. But I think it was a great point around about how much capacity we have too much. of, But I think you threw out a number around 30% or so. And that just really needs to shift before we start to see some upward movement and rates overall. So,
1: yeah, no, you're right. But uh, if we go back to that change in authorities chart. Uh, I want to pull this one up. This is a brand new data release from Freightways. It's it's going to be the Christmas-looking chart. There we go, green and red. Uh, so I drew an average line there. And we have two other data points as well. Uh, we have the net revocations that people are traditionally used to looking at. Uh, Carrier details, uh, the partner here that really helped us clean this data up. The The government data doesn't necessarily... It tends not to be the easiest uh, to look at at times. So they really helped us clean this up and make this presentable. And in the process, we were like, you know what? Everybody looks at net revocations, which is growth in authorities minus revocations. Um, This is more just the net change in total authorities uh, in that data. So we're taking an absolute value here. Whereas net revocations, when you look at it, it kind of like, it's counting the number of subtractions in general. This is giving you the absolute, like this is giving you the value of the addition and the subtraction in general. I think it's a better way of looking at it in general because we're seeing in red, this is the darkest red period. I mean, if you look at this chart back in 2019, that was a soft period of time. We were talking about carrier exits constantly. Right. We haven't really talked about on that, to that level this time around. But I think... The reason is if you compare that red figure down there when you're averaging that period of time, which is why that white line's there, to the green figure up top, we're still barely cracking (laughs) the amount of entries that occurred from July of 2020 till July of last year. Um, I think the net is somewhere around 105,000 net new authorities uh, since July of 2020, and if you if you were to compare that to the outbound tender volume index, tender volumes are up ten-ish percent from twenty twenty or the early part of twenty twenty. So do the math, Anthony. That's a it's yeah. a big grab.
0: <laughs> goes into I think some of our newsonomics yeah. segment because our founder, CEO Craig Fuller recently put out an article, six charts reveal freight industry is bouncing back. And one of the ones that he leads off with is, of course, going to be looking at what's going on right now with the OTRI, the OTRI, and really kind of breaking down early signs that, okay, maybe we're starting to see somewhat of a shift here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
1: Yeah, I think the o is the one we've been talking about uh, looking at. And he does he does a combination of several charts here. It's a combination of OTVI, OTRI, NTIL, which if you want to know all these acronyms, you can go to freightways.com. But I think most of the people that watch this are familiar with at least the first two there. NTIL is, of course, the spot rate uh, index that measures spot rate values less fuel. And that's starting to tick a little bit higher. However, it's not been as responsive as our OTRI. And I think that's a big takeaway because tender rejections are pure measures of carriers saying, I'm going to not cover that load. We've talked about it. There's abundant capacity. If a carrier is rejecting a contracted load from an existing account, there's a really good reason for it. They don't have a truck in that space, they cannot cover it. So when rejection rates are increasing in a deflationary environment, that's a pretty big signal spot rates. The mix of spot rate activity can really play a big role with the rate movements and rates. We talked about this. Rates in general, dollar values. We talk about it in macroeconomic data all the time. Super noisy. How do you compare dollar expenditures to anything before COVID at this point? Right. And I think we're seeing some similarities in the freight market. When we look at rates, yes, it's important to have that information. But when you're looking at historical charts uh, involving dollar values at this point, would you say they're almost irrelevant? They're relevant to
0: some markets. And I think overall, it's going to be some irrelevant. So I think in my, the latest on our monthly market update for all you Sonar subscribers that get that on a monthly basis, one of the things that I, I kind of outlined is to really being aware of nominal data sets. And there are going to be some nominal data sets that are going to show that there's activity that's increasing on a year-over-year basis or month-to-month potentially. But you'll have to take inflation into account here. And even with the latest PCE index, we saw that there was a take up, I'm not going to get into that right now, maybe a little bit later, but we're starting to see that, yeah, inflation isn't just completely defeated just yet. And so, right. And the other big thing, of course, interest rates come behind that inflation environment. And we're, we haven't seen the impacts of, of those interest rates just yet. We see that, of course, some consumers maybe are going to start to trade down. I never bet against American consumer i say okay first they're going to probably trade down maybe i don't need the top name brand maybe i can go down to a generic or or, or a a lower priced one get a little bit of a bargain but we're looking at things like retail sales that's not adjusted for inflation and so we're looking at things like um durable good orders measured in millions of dollars that's going to be something that could look like okay this is still being propped up but really it's going to be measured in dollars and that's going to be a big game changer.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I'm really leaning on our operational data here that shows these actions versus dollar figures. Um, you know, And of course, the NTIL was the least responsive in Craig's charts, but still supported some upward pressure on rates and the fact that they haven't really gone down uh, that much since the summer started. So DTS was the other one. Uh, That is our diesel truck stop, our measure of fuel. Uh, It correlates highly with the DOE uh, price of fuel, and it's spiking. So the fact that diesel prices are able to increase doesn't necessarily mean the truckload market is increasing, but it is an an erosion to capacity. It is going to be something that really puts pressure on carrier capacity. We talked about the trucking exits as being a, uh, a big thing. Well, on the smaller fleets, when diesel prices spike, they've locked in their price. Right Now their cost of operation increases after they locked in their price. If it's not a contracted load that's not on a variable fuel surcharge, which is a lot of these owner ops just give a rate, <laughs> and then they gotta go pay 5% more for fuel <laughs> uh, the same day that they already locked in their rate, that's a hard environment. And then you've got these larger fleets, that they got to compete with that are pricing on variable fuel scales, or they get discounts um, because they have volume purchasing ability that the smaller fleets don't have. So that really crunches the smaller fleet. And that's also going to be a, a thing that we look for in increasing some of these carrier exits.
0: And so I think an interesting aspect of this is going to be coming from, of course, the shipper aspect. So, of course, before COVID, shippers never really can. I don't think, considered freight that much and really kind of mm-hmm. gave transportation as much attention as it would deserve. <laughs> and then a lot of it got exposed. And now we see, you know, we look fast forward to now, they've been able to really enjoy a low priced environment. And now it's going to be potentially interesting to see how they respond to uh, a shift here, a potential inflection point.
1: Yeah. I mean, if this is the point and Craig calls this out at the end of the article saying now's the time shippers to start to be playing defense. Mm-hmm. You've got your cost controls back in place. The price of transportation's under control as much as it's probably going to be. Uh, I tell a lot of people this, like I don't think we're going to see a peak season that's really strong, but I think it's going to be, from a rate perspective, much more volatile and responsive than the one we saw last year. Right. Uh, because I think we've really pulled out all that carriers can handle pulling out of the rates, Uh, except for the contract side. The contract side still has a little bit of room, probably a little bit of downward movement, but I think that's also contributing to the upward move with tender rejections uh, at this point as well. So moving forward, a little bit of a double-edged sword there in the way that you've got this market that seems like it's showing good news for the carriers and transportation providers in terms of volume, but that may be you know, a little early and it might support some interest rate increase potential in the future since consumption is still high. And it's also not great for the shipper because that means that their rate environment is just about to get volatile. Right. So there's a little bit of balancing act here going on. Um, it's, it's hard to reduce your exposure to all these things. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to call out here. So ArcBest sees 20% uh, percent increase in shipments Uh, at core accounts. This is, of course, largely allocated or, you know, kind of explained as like a byproduct of Yellow's exit. And I think that's kind of a duh uh, to an extent, but it's also interesting in the way that we've seen this much
0: kind of support in the LTL sector. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big things I've, I've, I've been looking at on the macroeconomic side of a kind of response from Yellow has been initial jobs claims. Um, haven't seen that huge spike up in initial jobs claims at all from this. Uh, we've seen a little bit of other cracks in the labor market, but not from initial jobs claims, but definitely one of those things that you kind of expected to happen. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts, I would say, some of the shippers doing business with them because they were going to yellow and then they were paying yellow prices. They were getting yellow service. are best going to be essentially like a different league for them.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, I should point out that these, all of the LTL carriers are not feeling the same exact thing, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. SIA reported a 3.4% increase in tonnage in July, 6% in August. Old Dominion, uh, the kind of the, the nations, you know, considered the, you know, the gold star carrier for LTL, 11.1% down in July in terms of tonnage. Uh, and of course, weight per shipment is down for everyone. So they're getting lighter shipments. Uh, Some of them are getting more, some of them aren't. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag here in the LTL environment.
0: And looking at weight, how important is that? I
1: don't care. (laughs) Uh, And from an LTL perspective, you're filling up that truck and if it's priced accordingly, you're pricing based on cubing that thing out. Whatever happens first, weight or uh, uh, cube is what matters there. Weight is, as an aggregate figure, if you have the same cu- customers, the same freight every single day, yes. Mm-hmm. But these guys are changing their mixes like crazy. So it's really hard to take anything away from it. Um, the next piece of news, I guess that's positive for the LTL providers. But again, a little bit of a temporary bump. Um, the uh, Werner, small group of workers votes to unionize. Thomas Watson and I talked about this on Roundtable this morning, Anthony. I want to hear your hot take. What do you think about unionization at this point From a Does not have character? a good track record?
0: And <laughs> does not have a good track record. And I, I can't really see this going well. Um, I, You know, I wish I won the best, but it doesn't have a good track record. And I think really when we're looking at the where we are, maybe this was would have been a, a good thing to have years and years and
1: decades ago, but I don't know if it's a place for it now. Thomas Wasson agreed with you and I agree with you as well. Uh, three facilities in New Jersey offer, uh, and it's really a, you know, Werner purchased this, uh, thing. So it's, it's 26 workers, uh, at a place that they bought in 2021. Uh, it's 80% owned by Werner. So a very small portion of Werner overall. It, I don't think it's a huge threat, <laughs> uh, for the larger conglomerate, which consists of uh, over 10,000 drivers and, you know, 700 mechanics, 1600 office associates, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, very small. Yeah. And I, I don't know if their end goal was to actually become a union or was it to just get some attention because yeah. Derek Leathers went out there, visited uh, to talk to him before the vote and obviously, it didn't, you know, and, and at this point, you know, if you're if you're in a bad environment, I don't know the situation fully. Uh, if they're just really trying to make a point, kudos, I think it worked. Uh, you definitely want to scare a trucking company, you threaten to unionize um because it doesn't really help the operating uh, ratio there. But in the long run, I don't see it handing out well uh, for either either side. like it's not a it's not a great situation. like, um, if you, if you are in a union, it starts, you're not in control either. Yeah. You have somebody still negotiating for you. You just have a little bit more of a voice than you had before, but it may not be your voice. Almost like a broker. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where, like you said, it
0: does, it's not going to help the OR and I'm, I'm interested to know when this we started to take momentum, was it before we saw some of the yellow fallout? Was it afterwards? Um, is it before some of the UPS talk? What what was like? I it would be interesting to see when this all started out.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to imagine. In a in a soft freight environment, you don't have a lot of leverage, but as a carrier in general, like that's that's just the way that it works. And to start acting like you have leverage now. I don't know. I mean, they, they unions traditionally just, they shut down facilities right. to keep unions out of companies, uh, because it is such a, a big deal in terms of the operation and the financials. It's, a, it's, it's a high cost center. Right. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about what's going on here, but it's certainly interesting that this is starting to percolate and maybe this is, this is not necessarily their end goal. Yeah. Um, Last but not least, uh, Craig wrote another article. He had a lot of, he got (laughs) it on his computer. uh, But I think this is probably one of the most interesting things I've seen him write. uh, Because it's really contradictory to what has been the prevalent thought in the industry. Uh, Basically, mom and pops are taking significant share of trucking industry. So basically saying the small fleets, small carriers, coming into the year, we were talking about how consolidation is going to be the story of the trucking market but he utilizes tractor count data uh, from the FMCSA to make his point and saying that, look, tractor counts are up uh, from the small fleets, one to six, that white line you're looking at there, one uh, fleets, tractor counts coming from fleets of size one to six are on the rise and more significantly than any other fleet size in the United States. Now, yes, this makes sense because you have This is the site, this is the easiest place for it to grow. (laughs) You know, you have large carriers, they're not really growing. They're kind of just managing their existing capacity. You know, you see, especially in down markets, you see it all the time, they reduce tractor count and even the bigger ones, you know, they consolidate, but they don't add, you know, like we've, we, Knight Swift bought U.S. Express consolidation. They didn't add capacity. So it does make sense that these, the mom and pops are growing. And I think that's actually, that makes more sense when you start to put it together, uh, that capacity growth is largely coming from small fleets. Mm. It's not coming from larger fleets. Like I, like I just said, they're not adding capacity. They're actually managing existing capacity. (laughs) And it's interesting because I'm interested
0: to know if mid-sized operations are going to be getting hit harder or, and really overall, if anyone has been able to survive this freight environment, I think it's almost like you got your PhD, and you'll be able to kind of be successful in any kind of freight environment after this. But really, it, I, I'm interested because what size fleets I would I I'm curious around is uh are, are getting hit the hardest? Are we going to see midside fleets getting hit the hardest? At not quite small, not quite large operations, and maybe they're selling equipment to make to extend their life. Line a little bit
1: longer here, you know. So that's what I'm a little bit interested about. I mean, looking at that chart, that's exactly what it appears to be is the mid-size, and then the larger fleets are just managing. But uh, mid-size seems to have the most volatility. So it's it's interesting situation there. I hadn't thought about it quite that way before, but he's absolutely right. um But consolidation's still a thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, still a thing. So real quick, we need to talk about our economics uh, situation. Tell me about that labor market. I, I'm. I know the Fed is still attacking, you know, the economy a little bit. Yeah, what do we what do we have to take away? Are are they going to stop raising interest rates based on labor data? Um,
0: if we were to go with the latest kind of minutes from Jackson Hole, it will be a no. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it, it it's it's almost like a it, it is a double edged sword because the Fed wants to tamp down inflation. Mm-hmm. Of course, we saw the latest PCE index, their preferred measured of inflation tick up in the most recent report. So that's a bit concerning. The other big thing is is uh, the Fed needs, cons- or the U.S. needs consumer activity in order to kind of avoid any kind of recession. This is where we get into that soft landing mm-hmm. approach where we have just enough consumption, but not too much to where, okay, now we're starting to see inflation really kind of continue to be a thing. Job openings have ticked down now from the historic highs that, of course, was at 11 plus million. Last month, it was at 9.2 million. Now it's at 8.8, still historically high, but very much weakening and deteriorating. I'm still very sus about that number in general. Job, uh, the ADP employment number, which uh, accounts for private payrolls added. 371,000 down to 177,000 lowered. So that was a, a significant drop there of almost around, almost 200,000
1: cut. And we're seeing quit rates come down. So people are staying seeing their jobs longer. Everything we're looking at right now, Anthony, is showing a cooling economy. Yeah. Tell me, what pace does the economy have to cool before they say, we're going to stop? So I think they're going to
0: keep, keep push those interest rates, but the thing is, they'll probably start cutting rates before we get to that two percent goal. And so if they cut Brutal. it real fast, inflation doors wide open. And of course, we didn't even get into debt of spending by the U.S. government, so it's like a double edged sword of where you're trying to and push interest rates and push yeah exactly. Oh man, it's rough. This, this shit is rough. Maybe maybe we'll get more clarity after the holiday. Have a great week. <laughs> Drink water.